0: you're about to listen to a message by pastor Ikenna Okeke of the fathers church please join pastor Ikenna Okeke and be blessed hallelujah okay this evening with our time as we try to you know move on from gideon we've been saying that gideon was in a place that many of us find ourselves in gideon said i'm the least in my father's house And my father's house is the least in the clan. What he said, many of us are saying in different areas, maybe not in the same sense. Okay? And why did he say that? Because he was looking at his ability to solve the problem before him. He was looking at his ability. You can see from his response to the angel that he had thought about it. Just like many of us have thought about Nigeria and different things. He said, if the Lord is with us, why? Which means he had pondered on how do we solve this problem. Praise the Lord. He had thought about it. He had meditated on it. You know, I don't know whether to say he had prayed about it, possibly had prayed about it, even though we realize that um, the devil did over time on him because just before the angel appeared to him, God has sent the prophet to say, this is why you're suffering. Okay. And for him to now be saying to the angel, why are all these things happening? It means that he was not hearing the word of the Lord. But didn't the Bible tell us that when the word comes, the thief comes and steals it? So is it also a wonder that there might be things that have been spoken to us clearly that the enemy has stolen and then we're still asking why? But that's not where we're going. Where we're going is that generally we have this attitude or this mindset or we've been convinced that we are not strong enough to do what God said to do. We are just not able. But you see, that is one lie the devil has sold. And when we see someone who has achieved or arrived somewhere, we think, ah, he arrived because he's able. And then human beings don't help us. Because the moment somebody is transformed, you know, the way he talks makes you think that he had the ability to be where he is. But you see, if you, are, you look at your life now and see where you are, you will tell yourself the truth that had it not been for the Lord. You know, it's amazing how certain things happen in your life. Ray, now you're a father of how many now? Child. You're a senior boy. You. you look at this man now. He's walking on the road. Do you know his wife? His wife is a thick madam. When you see Ray and his wife and three children, and maybe you're not yet married, when you look at him, you just wonder... Is it his beard? You know, is it his square shoulder? You just imagine, how was he able to marry and then have three sons? You see, all of that, you see, it's what the world does to us. You see somebody, you know, sitting in a position in the office. You say he's the chairman, chief executive. You know, you just look at him and you just look at him and say, you say maybe it's because he has, you know, some gray hair. The devil will immediately tell you, you're you not able. He, he was qualified for it. But the devil is a liar. Because the truth is this, nobody is qualified for anything. God is the one who qualifies us. God is the one. And that's what we find from this story of Gideon. And that's why God took time, you know, to break every expectation from the strength of man. Gideon mustered 32,000 like someone raised there. 32,000 against an army that was uncountable. And God said, 32,000, there are too many. Too many. How can there be too many? They don't even match one for 1,000. But God said, there are too many. Why? So that the lesson can be learned by you and I that what God wants to accomplish, He can accomplish by many or by what? By few and by anybody. By anybody. By anybody, there is nothing that God wants you to be. There is nothing that God wants you to do that you cannot do. Not one thing. Praise the Lord. If you can sit down and be thinking, ah, this preacher, oh no, the devil is alive. I told you here when we came to Abuja and I started preaching, you know, after a few weeks, I had to go back to Lagos and meet one of the pastors and ask him the sermons I prepared before I became a pastor, I finished. How do you get new sermons? The way you laugh now was how he laughed. And if someone would ask me now, that's the same way I'll laugh. You understand? But you see, those days you look up, at you're thinking, ah, ah. And you ask somebody, how long have you been pastoring? He'll say, for 20 years. I've been pastoring for 20 years now. 20 something years now. I don't know how. We did a wedding anniversary, 25 years. You say, so ah, 25 years' wedding. He must be floating. There is no how. It's every day. It's the same way you wake up, sleep. Do you understand? God works all these things. The devil is a lie. Someone has seven children, you're looking at him. <laughs> because you don't have a child, the devil immediately portrays the person as a superstar and you as one little rat. And then if you want to believe God, he says, who do you look at you? If people are talking, want to talk. Is it not people that will talk? Is it chair that will talk? Do you understand? So, so that is one major thing there. And the Lord said to, say to us here, God does not have problem with our weaknesses. You know why? Second Corinthians 12.9, he made it clear. He said, my strength is made perfect. Weakness has never kept God from using any man. No man, no man has been kept from God's purpose because he was weak. Nobody. You can't talk, you can't sing, you're too short, you, you don't have education. Nobody has been disqualified from God's agenda because of weakness. And the Spirit of God so did it for us that when they were selected, if men, if I were the one to choose 300 out of 32,000, you know what else that? They'll do combat. And the 300 best. But you know what? They didn't choose the 300 best. The first thing they said was, well, if you're fearful and if you're not really sure you want to fight, just go home. Some of the stoutest, some of the strongest, some of the heaviest, their giants would have gone. And 10,000 will remain. God didn't say, ah, no, please. We, this guy has to come back. Go and bring him back. And you see, that mentality flows with us as Christians. Unfortunately, you're a pastor, somebody, you know, leaves church, you're feeling high. How will we maintain the church? The supporter has gone. Who is supporting the supporter? The one who is supporting the supporter, has he gone? That's the one you should worry about. Praise the Lord. We were here in Nigeria. Somebody left here and went to, I think, U.S. or one of the schools, and got the best overall result from a public school. The last jam, is it the last jam? The last jam that the girl in Imo State won best overall. is a public school. You know, we have the tendency to allow the enemy to convince us that we must rely on means, on things established, on things proven. But the only proven thing is God. The Bible says the arm of flesh will fail. The only proven thing, what you need for your success, what you need to achieve that purpose, what you need, you already have it. It's God and he's available to each and every one of us. Praise the Lord. So God says, let the people know, weakness has never been an issue. Exposure has never been an issue. The disciples of Jesus were as local as local can be. They were Galileans. Do you understand what I'm saying? The disciples were Galileans, fishermen. Their tensions were not correct. They didn't understand many things. They were so local that when they behaved well, when they spoke, made sense, people were wondering, ah, hey, hey, you know what happen?" Do you understand? They were wondering. That's how local. You know what it means for you to make sense and people are wondering, ah, what happened to you? Do you understand? But God used them. The Bible says, not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, but God does well. Chooses the, so if God chooses the foolish and the best things, at least if you're foolish, you're qualified. If you're not foolish, you're more than qualified. You understand? He went and the process of the 300, it was clear. He said, look at it, look at that story and tell me where I chose the fastest. Those who could aim the best, no. Those who had experience in warfare, no. The first test was their hearts, their choice. The second one, we went told exactly what it was. But I want to believe that it's in line with the first one because he said, Let me test them for you. Because some people, the opinions of men are strong. So they were fearful and faint hearted, but they didn't want it to be that they went. So God said, I'll do the test. So the 300 that remained were 300 selected purely on no other criteria but that their hearts were right. That means you can be qualified. Or rather, you're more than qualified. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes. You know, you live your life. And life hits you so many ways. You just, you know, disqualify yourself in so many areas. Sometimes, maybe in the area of finances, when you now see big things being done for God, you say, no, I can never be a treasure. Who told you? God can give you an idea that in the next one year, you'll become one of the wealthiest people in this city. Is that difficult for God to do? Hasn't he done it before? Don't disqualify yourself. Praise the Lord. Somebody you're trusting of a life partner... God can make it that you get married this year, by this time next year, you have a quadruplet, And then you become senior. When you come here, they say they have come. Do you understand? It doesn't take anything. You know, some people say, say, ah, you have a son that is this old. You have a son. As if you are the one blowing up the son. Once you give birth to the child, every day the child is growing. Say, look at your son. As if you're the one stretching the child. Every day you wake up, you stretch. It does anybody do. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, the enemy takes what God does and attributes it to men, to scare men. So you see somebody, he's a bank MD or something. When he's working, he just be feeling. The guy did aptitude test. He failed. He did another one. Then he passed. Then finally, they took him as banking officer. And after 27 years, he became MD because one thing or the other happened. Then when you now see him, you feel, ah, he's so special. There's nothing like that. Nothing like that. Okay? So we settle it. Say, God. Can use me. God will use me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. God doesn't have problems with our weaknesses. God doesn't have problems with our inabilities. I can't sing. I can't shout. I can't talk. I'm shy. Listen, if they were to do an interview for those who will be preachers, I wouldn't qualify. I'm very shy. Praise the Lord. But you see, when God starts working in you and working with you and working through you, he will put in you what he wants to put in you. Praise the Lord. So, weaknesses don't, no. Rather, in your weakness, what happens? His strength is made perfect. So, God actually delights in coming to you in your weakness so that His strength can be shown in you. Praise the Lord, somebody. However, having said that, however, you know what God has problems with? He has problems with unwillingness. That's why there is preaching. Do you know why you come to church all the time? So that you can be willing to allow God do with you what he wants to do with you. That's what church is for. That's why you read the scriptures. You see, we've learned here that you are made a God. The thing about you that is God is not your beard, is not your hair. It's your will. So the purpose of preaching is to change minds. is to make you say yes. It's to make you say to God, okay, I agree. Because if he doesn't get you to that point, he can use you. He can't do anything with you. Your weakness. That's why God said to Moses, you're going to do this. He said, no, no, no. Ah, God, don't waste. I'm a stammerer. But God didn't say because he's stammerer. I can't. No, no. It was if he had said, I will not go. But if you're saying to God, ah, because I'm too sure, because I'm local, I won't go. But he says, don't worry. That's what I want. Let somebody uh, open for us, Matthew 23, 37. Our Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, how often I'd wanted to gather you. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks on her wings. But what? Did he say you are difficult to manage? Did he say you were too many? Did he say the enemy was? No. He said you were not willing. Somebody say, I'm willing, Lord. Use me. Do in me and do through me. Whatever. It, that's where it is. That's where the battle is. And that's where the enemy, hits us. so. All those things he puts to us, like the story of the man who was going to borrow a jack and ended up punching the person, was to get into the place where he's not willing to receive help again. So the enemy beats you down in your mind, so you can't even say to God, I'm available. But you come to the word of God, you open the scriptures, you're ready? I say, okay, this thing can work, God can use me. You see, my background doesn't stop God, you know. My failures don't stop God. My weaknesses don't stop God. My whatever doesn't stop God. As you get to that point, you now begin to have a heart that is willing, that is yielded. Okay. Another thing that God has problems with, this one is very interesting, is unbelief. Because there are two sides to it. When I got this, the Spirit of God had to explain to me that there are two sides. Unbelief. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, down to 16. Here he says, Paul speaking here, he says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. You see that word, enabled, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, let's not miss this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has what? Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So was he able before he was put? He was enabled. Nobody is able. Nobody is able. Nobody is able. Nobody is able. God is the enabler. That's why He's the author and the finisher. Thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled. So as great, as great apostle, the apostle Paul was, he was enabled by Christ. And that enablement is not a private enablement, it's available to you and I. Praise the Lord. So he says he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now look at what he said. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Let's stop here. Now, look at what he's saying here. He says, I obtained mercy. So, God has problems with our unbelief. If we don't believe God, God can't walk with us. He said, the integrity of God, the honor of God, the majesty of God restrains him to only deal with those who believe him. I don't know if, if the Holy Spirit can help you understand that. He's so mighty. Maybe genuinely you have uh, 10 million Naira. Okay? You have 10 million Naira. And you go to UBA Bank with your 10 million Naira. And you look at all the stuff here. Yeah? I want to deposit 10 million Naira, but look at all your, your skirts are China. You know, your suits are Turkey. It's my 10 million. safe? So give me evidence that I can deposit my 10 million here, and when I come back, you people won't be telling me stories because you people are looking hungry. What would they say to her UBA? Security, isn't it? They'll say, walk out. Because, you see, your 10 million will not move UBA to bring you evidence They are bigger than you and your 10 million. You understand what I'm saying? But let's take it that um, World Bank, okay, China Export Bank, wants to do business in Nigeria. And they have maybe about uh, $450 billion to invest and are looking for a bank to use. If they come to and say, UBA, we are considering you. You know what UBA do? UBA will bring prospectus, directors, photos of their father, children, everybody. They will take all of it to China and say, this is us. We can handle it. Please trust us. You see, you know why? They are bigger than them because God is so much bigger than you and I. For him to deal with us, we are the ones that will be begging him. We can't ask God for proof. Do you understand? We must believe him. Do you understand? We must believe him. We must put trust in him. If not, we can not deal. That's why I say without faith, it's impossible. How can you deal with God? He that comes to God must believe that he is. If you're doubting God is, there is no transaction. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so Paul says there, Mercy was hard on me. Why? Because my own unbelief was an ignorant unbelief. You're going to see there is ignorant unbelief. There is another unbelief which we're going to look at, and then we'll come back to this. Hebrews 3, from verse um, 7 to 12. But Let's look at 12, just 12. Okay, let's read from 7 to 12 quickly, please. Because a message was stated. It said, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Go on, seven down. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Nine. Where your fathers tested me, tried me. Can you see? And saw my works, 40 years then. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. 11 and 12 now. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 12 now. he says, beware them, brethren, lest there be in any of you what? An evil heart. Of unbelief. You see, there is an unbelief that God can handle. Where you have no reason. There is unbelief that you don't know. Praise the Lord. But there is an unbelief that God has shown you. Praise the Lord. Somebody, you've been sick. And God healed you miraculously. And you know it was God. Then something comes up. And you're saying, God, I'm not sure you can heal this. He will just lock the door and go. What else will I do for you? I've shown you. And that's why the Bible calls that one evil heart of unbelief. God can't handle it. He can't use a man like that. He can't. And that was what Saul, Saul's problem. You see, God chose you. God picked you up. God started working. Why can't you just follow him? What else do you want him to do? So the scripture shows us there's unbelief of, I don't know, which knowledge transforms. Once knowledge comes in, that unbelief changes to belief. The moment Jesus appeared to Paul and said, or rather saw, and said, why are you persecuting? He said, who are you, Lord? From that moment, he turned and said, ah, I thought I was actually serving you. And he began to serve him. But there is the unbelief that somebody knows, but is resisting what he knows. The Lord will deliver us from such in Jesus' name. Because for such situations, God cannot help. God cannot help. God has given you a call. God has given you an assignment. And he has used you here and there, you know but you're still telling God you can't use me. He would just say, okay. he okay. There's nothing I can do. Okay? So we're saying here, uh, what we're learning tonight is that our weaknesses never stop God. No weakness in your life. Nothing that has to do with ability can prevent God's purpose from being accomplished. But these are the things that are challenged. The other one we look at quickly is our affections. Second Corinthians 6. Our affections. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 and 12. Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he made a statement. He said, Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. He said, You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. You see, there's nothing else there. You just don't love us. You don't just want to open your heart. With the picture that captures this most is where maybe you're ministering to somebody, you know. And the person knows what you're saying is true. And then when he finishes, he says, look at you. Look at the type of hair you're carrying. What does the hair you're carrying have to do with what I've told you? Do you understand? He says, you're being restricted by your affections. Our own affections are poured out. And that's what our Lord Jesus, that's why the Bible says, our Lord Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, said to him, those who do not receive him are condemned already because what else can be done? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him sure, should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you don't receive that, what else can God do? So there's an affection part to it. And this affection is what Gideon had going for him. Because he was wondering, where is the solution? And that's why we must never lose as Nigerians. We must never get to the point where we are not interested in the solution. We must keep looking, no matter how difficult things get. We must keep looking. Because, see, it's in that direction of affection that God can respond to you. Once you lose, once you become careless and dead into whatever is happening, you can't be used. No, God isn't going to force anybody to be a part of the solution. It must be somebody who is already thinking, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Then God will come and say, let's do it this way. So affections, praise the Lord. The next one is also interesting. It's quite similar. Our desires, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 3. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. These are the things that are issues, not strength. And as we look at these things, you can break it down to marriage. You can break it down to working in an organization. You can break it down to, you know, basic relationships. These are issues that give problems. We've people where a partner is unwilling to change. Ma, this is what your husband wants you to do. She'll just be looking like this. Or, or, God, this is what your wife, the man will just keep his face like this. What it means, I won't even try at all. You see, there are things that might be demanded of you that are impossible. But at least say, ah, sir, I would want to please my wife or my husband. But I don't know how to wash. I don't know. Do you understand? You see, he's willing. At that point, grace comes in. But at that saying you're just tapping your leg. Mm. It means you, you shut out on God's help. Because what you've done now is that you have shifted your head. May that not be a portion. In any area of your life. You're working in an office, and things are just the way they are, but the spirit of God is ministering. Change this. Some of us, you know, here, please. You see, the, the Bible talks about um, prayer for Jerusalem. It said, they shall prosper that do what? That love them. He said, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper. Your office, pray that you love it as long as you're there. You don't, don't go to work in a place and be hating it. Every morning you resume somewhere, you say, I hate this place. I hate that be these people, I hate them. And then you're walking there. How can God use you there? How can God even promote you out of there? Some of those places, they won't even psyche you. You just remain there. The hate will be mutual. Yes, now, I read something a man wrote, and it's so true. He said, when you serve more than what you're being paid for, very soon you'll be paid more than what you serve. When you put in a place more than what you're earning, very soon you'll earn more than what you're putting in. God is a good God. And God is the one who set up his world. Someone can employ you and be paying you salary, and then you'll be hating the place. Every customer that is going, inside I'll see you, I'll see you. It's organic, yeah, yeah. Everything that happens here is nonsense. And you're a Christian. You'll be creating problems for yourself. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Okay, so this is the other one. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now, this is why it, it says, set your mind or affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You see, why this is very key in God using us is that God's primary goal is his glory. God's primary goal is his what? Is his glory. Everywhere God is going to act, he's going to act for his glory. Everything he's going to do. Now, if you are always with a mind that God must be glorified there, what you immediately do? is that you're sending up signal, Lord, I'm available, use me. Lord, I'm available, use me. But if you're every time looking down, looking down, you shut out because like we've learned tonight, can two walk together unless what? They be agreed everywhere. One of the things, Gideon half he said, they told us, God, you are mighty. And look at us hiding from this night. What is going on? And God said, this is a man that at least knows I'm mighty and is asking questions. Praise the Lord. He didn't complain saying, look at me threshing a weed in a wine press." No, he was looking to his glory. He was looking to God's glory. And that brings us to where the Bible says, talks about the double-minded person. These scriptures are so strong, you know, when I saw it, I had to step back a bit. But let's look at them and see how the Holy Spirit will help us to make use of them. Psalm 119, verse, verse 113. Let's put it there. Psalm 119, 113. This captures the part of, you know, double-minded and fraction and not being fully. This, this is the psalmist speaking by the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. What does it say? It says, I hate. That's a strong word. Who does he hate? The double-minded. I hate the double-minded. And the double-minded is the one that James told us in James 1.8. He says, one, well, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Those are strong words. I hate the double-minded. He says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you go to chapter 4, the same verse 8 now in James, you're going to see what he still says there. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Say, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. You double-minded. It means there's something about double-mindedness that hinders us seriously. So the question, what is double-mindedness? What is double-mindedness? Somebody said it's double, double-facedness. Does, have you seen that picture they made of one man that is going like this and his face is the other? It's double-mindedness. It's a serious problem. Our Lord Jesus says no man can serve two masters at the same time. Understand that in Japan, their work culture, okay, work culture in Japan, is not a skill and. Um, expertise and all of that that distinguishes a man loyalty you see loyalty talks about we know you're with us even if you're a fool we know that you'll never do anything against the interest of this company that's what it means double-minded means i'm here and there i'm here and there god says i can't i can't deal with you whose interest do you want who are you on whose side are you and you see, as you look at these things, they are very important. They are small, like we've said here. These are things that help us in little areas. But it's these little areas that qualify us for the great things. You look at the men in scriptures that God did mighty things with. You can see that these things played out in their lives. I was meditating and, you know, the Lord was ministering to me about David, which we have referred to, you know, a lot here. David was a man after God's heart. That's God's testimony, right? Do you know the proof of that? This young boy was minding his business, okay? Just being a shepherd. And then they come and anoint him that he's going to be king of Israel by Prophet Samuel, who also anointed the current king, okay? Now, after the anointing, he continued doing well. Now, the current king starts persecuting him to kill him, isn't it? Now, if you already have a promise that you will be king, and then the king who is occupying your throne is making an effort to kill you. What should be your response? Eh? Isn't that re- that's reasonable? Because, you see, he's the only one stopping you from the promise God made to you. But you know the problem? If he did that, he would have been double-minded. Because we're told he's a man after what? God's heart. He's not after kingship. The problem with many believers is that... We are not after one thing. There are so many things we are after. We want people to like us. We want to serve God. But we also want to be in the good books of people. And then we don't want to offend. You see, when you understand some of these things, you begin to understand some of the things our Lord Jesus Christ said. He says, if anyone will come after me and does not hate his father, his mother, his brothers, he cannot be my disciple. That hate is not that you'll be mean to them. But when a choice comes up, you must never think twice who your loyalty lies in. And why is that? Because he knows that if your loyalty to him is kept, he will take care of the others. And that's that area. The enemy attacks us a lot. Let's leave David. I'll give you another illustration that will help us very easily from the Bible. Abraham, God makes a promise. Okay? What's the promise? You're going to bring forth a child, okay? And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Abraham starts living his life Five years, six years, seven years, no child, okay? And after about 10 years or so, his wife comes and says, God has said you will have a child. God has said we'll have a child, okay? It's as peers that we cannot have this child this way. Let's bring Hagar so that I can have a child through her. Now, when that suggestion was made to Abraham, did we hear Abraham go to God and say, Abba, Father. This child you say we should have, did you say we should find a child or that you will give us a child? Did he do that? He quickly went and uh, right there and there, a child came. That's Isis. That's Headsman. That's Boko Haram. That child is still there. Praise the Lord. You know why? His focus shifted from, God said, come follow me. I'm leading you to a place. But at a point in his journey, he stopped following God to a place. He started following direction to a child. Is there anything wrong with a child? No. But double-mindedness is not about whether the thing is wrong. It's that the enemy will use it to destroy your destiny. That's the, thing. That's the problem. And this thing, we must understand it because that's what is killing many Christians. The devil comes. God is the one who made the promise. But he didn't say seek the promise. He says seek me. That's the safest John. David had every right to kill King Saul because he had been told he would take the place. That's what Abiola was trying to do. He won the election. this So he wanted to force, if anything he could do to remove whoever was on the throne would have seemed justified. But if he did that, the Bible said, this is a man after my heart. Do you need to kill Saul to have my heart? No. And when he continued to seek after God, God himself removed Saul and put him on the throne. Brethren, heaven is saying, I want to use you, but I need your eyes. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaching made a statement. He said the lamp of the body is the eye. Matthew 6, and 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. He's talking about focus. If the eye is good, Matthew 6, and 23. He said if the eye is good. Your whole body will be full of light. Christians, our eye has to be good. And that's why when things begin to come up and they begin to try to distract us with success, with popularity, you know, with the affairs of this world, they are trying to spoil our eye. They are trying to take away our focus. There are many things that are add ons, they are not the focus. Praise the Lord. When we miss it, The enemy will gladly back us up because he knows we have missed it. But God will not be pleased with us. Do you know how many times our Lord Jesus, while he was on earth, they tried to make him king, they tried to do all kinds of things, but he would not be distracted. His eye was good. His eye was good. If they made him king, you know what? They wouldn't have been able to crucify him. His eye was good. And if he was king, I mean, we can't even imagine because our Lord Jesus would never disobey the Father. But then, whatever could have happened, he would never have gotten to the point where the Bible now says, wherefore, God had given him the name that is what? Above every other name. Whatever that is causing our double-mindedness, God has better things for us. I want to, can I commit to God fully? Ah, I will miss this thing. Ah, If I serve God like this, I will miss this thing. Let me tell you. Unless the God you're talking about is not the creator of the heavens and the earth. No man comes to the end of his life. The psalmist speaking. says, I've been young, and now I'm elderly. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. What are we saying? The eye, the focus, must be on God, must be settled on him, because this journey of faith you get it in those areas, it becomes a walkover. Let me show you some, Isaiah 42, verse 1 and 3, or Matthew 2 of any of them, 18 and 20. So we take our eyes to where the real battle is. You're in church tonight. I want you to, you see, open up your heart to whatever the Spirit of God is ministering to you because we don't know the next time we gather who you will be. The battle is not what you're thinking is the battle. Praise the Lord. The things we are learning, are the, is that focus. Anywhere you are, in this, amongst these ten people, the king must be exalted. You find yourself in the backside of the widow, the king must be exalted. That's what Joseph had. What business did he have bearing the fruit of the Spirit in a prison? His eye was single. Prisons are lawless places. Prisons are where darkness prevails. Wickedness is the style in prison. So for someone to be kind in prison it has to be extraordinary. He didn't have to. But you see, his eye was single. It was that singleness of eye that brought him before the throne of Pharaoh. Okay, 42. Give us one to three down. Okay, let me read from one. He said, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delight. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. He said, A bruised reed he will not break. And smoke on flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. You see, what this scripture is saying here is that the anointed one, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, a bruised reed is the leaf that is already bruised. You know, you see it is bent. He said he won't break it. It means no matter how tender, no matter how weak, no matter how unable you are, God cannot disable you. Your problem is not in that area. I get it. It's a smoking flash. You light a match and the flame has gone off, but the tip is still red. It says, I won't quench it. If you have enough of that strength, that's why Lord Jesus Christ said to them, if you have faith as much as what? As little as a mustard seed. God will use you. Brethren, we are privileged to belong to this kingdom. There are many kingdoms where they are looking for strong men. They are looking for men that have this and that. No, Jesus says, just bring a little faith and I can breathe on it. But the things we worry about are these other things. Double-mindedness. Whose interests are you pursuing? He that lays his hands on the plow and looks back. is not fit for my kingdom. What's that talking about? Double-mindedness. Today you become a Christian. Let Christian goals become your goals, sir. Don't become a Christian and want to make Cosmopolitan magazine, Forbes magazine, the best prom queen. You can't be a Christian and still be wanting to win it. You just want to win in Christ. The Apostle Paul says, I count all things. What? as done. That's what it is. When you have that mindset, you will go far in this faith. Though. Do you understand what I mean? You will go far. That's when you go far. You can't be a Christian and then still want to. Some of them will pursue you. Didn't he say these blessings will pursue you and overtake you, isn't it? Those things will be pursuing. But for a Christian to pursue them, you won't make progress. Because once the devil knows that you're looking at them, he will use them. That's why you see some people, they start very well. Along the line, they start derailing. And you're listening to the person, I, say, I used to know this man. He was like this before. They have introduced some things, they have given him some oyubo. He has chopped some money. They have put him in some environment. So he says, I leave that thing. We have to dominate earth. Where, 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 where? He starts singing another tune. They have shifted his focus. But when your eye is single and you're looking, Unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Brethren, there is no telling how far you can go. Let's rise on our feet. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. As we close, we are going to pray. We started with this, I think it was two Sundays ago. Luke 1:36 to 38. We are going to take the account of Elizabeth and Mary. And pray for ourselves. 36. The angel said to Mary... Noun indeed. What are we saying? Noun indeed, sir. Everything God is putting in your heart, he wants to do with you, has been done by somebody. He said, Noun indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has what? Also conceived. So it's not an impossible thing, man. It's not an impossible thing, sir. It has been done. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Bible telling us of the heroes of faith, Hebrews 11 from 32 down, says out of weaknesses we are made strong. What we are telling you Samson, do you know Samson accomplished his greatest achievement as a child or what an instrument in God's hand In the moment of his weakness. The only thing was that he combined weakness with surrender. All the time he was strong, he was doing his will. The only moment in his life he wanted to do God's will, he was weak. But God made his strength perfect in his weakness. That's what we're talking about. So I don't need strength. I need willingness and God, I'm giving it to you tonight. Lord, I'm available. The next line, it says, she has conceived a son in her old age. And now is the sixth month. Go to the next verse, please. 37. 37. It says, for with what? God. Did they say with, with uh, uh, experience, within, uh, knowing somebody? With this. Is that what they said? Is that what, are you sure that? Did they say when you're in America only, when you have relocated to China? No, they say for with God in Nigeria what? it is possible for with God with who you are it is possible, for with God what? nothing nothing will be impossible tonight we are saying all I need is who? God all you need is who? God all we need is who? God the next line and then we'll pray Mary said behold, what's your name? say your name, behold Ekena he said let it be to me According to your word, we know the rest of the story. I want you to go to the Lord. Thank Him because what you're desiring, what is saying to you, to use you, to perform in you, to fulfill in you, it has been done. We have men like the apostles that have gone ahead of us, we have kings that have gone that serve the Lord in their glory King Solomon, King David, men that have exalted the Lord even in our current time. We have all manner of things. Billionaires that have pledged their lives, that have served the Lord. Lord, I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you. And I understand that this thing we are talking about, I don't need any other resource. You are my sufficiency. You are more than enough. You are my God. You are the miracle-working God. Lord, I'm thanking you for you are with me. I'm not going to search. You are with me. You are ready with me. You said I will never leave you nor forsake you. I thank you love for you at me. So, Lord, tonight I surrender. I surrender. I bring all my heart. I say, Lord, heal my double-mindedness. Heal my unbelief. Heal my unwillingness. Every argument that had risen up in me. Lord, tonight I confess it was in ignorance. I surrender. I can do what you say I can do. I am ready to become who you created me to be. I make no excuses. I am willing to learn in what I don't. Lord, in the areas of my ignorance, teach me. In the areas of my folly, open my eyes. In the areas of my hard-heartedness, Lord, give me a heart of flesh. I surrender that I may be all that You've said I shall be. Lord, we thank You. Lord, I thank You. I want You to thank the Lord. And then let's raise our voices for Nigeria. Lord, we're in this nation. And we're saying the healing of this nation is possible with you. It's possible with you. You said you can save by many or by few. Lord, we may be few here, but we're saying, Lord, use us. And our brethren all over that are crying out to you, Lord, in honesty, desiring a change. Lord, we might be minority. The Christians, may, the righteous may not have political power, but we have power with God. We have power with God. We say, oh, Lord, arise. Arise, O Lord, arise, O Lord, and heal our land, heal our land, heal our land, heal our land, turn things around, O Lord, we give you praise, O Lord, thank you, Father, thank you, our God, in Jesus Christ's name we have prayed, praise the Lord. Listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Center, Barnex X Expressway, near Next Cash and Abuja. For telephone 09 290 9000 or 0703 1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.